What's up, Michigan? I'm Lauren Plants. Welcome to another edition of the State Champs Michigan Extra Point Podcast presented by Lawrence Technological University. Hey, LTU offers over two dozen varsity NAIA collegiate sports, including football. Athletic and academic scholarships are available. Recruit yourself at ltuathletics.com. Extra Points also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association, Hungry Howie's Pizza, and the sports medicine professionals with the Detroit Medical Center. And today we are being joined by Dr. John Morasso. He is a high school football fan, as I have personally seen him on the sidelines. How are you today, sir? Great, Lauren. How are you today? All right. Exciting time of year. Uh, of course, in, in fall sports, as a lot of them are, are either in their postseasons or getting ready like football, um, we're going to be talking dealing with injuries as it relates to football. And this is the companion podcast to our State Champs Michigan Extra Point talk show. It's the final week of the regular season. And on the show, we've got recaps of some of the best games in our coverage of week eight. We have a preview of week nine. Watch it on your preferred platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or our website, statechampsnetwork.com, or on our free streaming app. Now, we talk with the digital managing editor at statechampsnetwork.com, Matt Mowry, to talk about the latest state rankings in just a bit. But first, we're talking injuries and how you can deal with them, especially at this point in the season. All right, Dr. Morasso, let's get into it. What are some of the common football injuries that you see in your practice? So football is a full body contact sport. Um, so therefore I really see injuries of all the different body structures, um, your feet, ankles, all the way up uh, down into the hands, uh, back and neck. So uh, in general, we see a lot of soft tissue injuries. These um, could include a sprain or a strain. Now a sprain is when a ligament is injured and ligaments connect bones to other bones and they help with stability where a strain is where a muscle or a tendon is injured. And this will happen with an overstretch injury and it can range from that all the way to a complete tear. We see contusions and bruises, cramping, bone injuries, stress fractures. So really, um, we see it all with football. That's right. You, it runs the gamut of, uh, of injuries because uh, football is, is a contact sport. Now, one of the things we talked about this actually on our volleyball podcast today, uh, with uh, Dr. Brandon Kakos, and it, it applies here for sure too. There's nothing more uh, scary, really, even as a, as a you know someone on the sidelines uh, when you hear that pop and there is an ACL injury uh, in an athlete. And I'm sure at the moment uh, they think the worst, um, but you maybe you can clear the air. You know, is is it uh, is it always a season-ending in injury, and and can it be a career-ending injury? Yeah, so ACL injuries in general are not always season-ending injuries. So if the ligament is completely torn or it's a full thickness tear, then those are much more concerning. But sometimes it's not a full thickness tear. Maybe it's a grade one sprain where the ligament was stretched. And if that's the case, uh, you know, based on the physical exam, based on if there's any laxity of that knee joint, um, and if there's swelling or, or fluid would determine the next steps in getting a definitive answer. Usually that's gonna include an MRI. And based on that information, we can get that in a timely manner. Um, sometimes if it's not a complete tear, then absolutely we can return even in the same season a couple weeks later. Um, now, if it's a complete tear, a lot of times those will uh, end up requiring um, surgery if you're gonna still do any cutting type activities, uh, 
playing at a higher level, but absolutely we see patients come back and they get really good rehabilitation after that surgery is done for the complete full thickness ones. And um, we see athletes at every level from professionals all the way down uh, to youth sports that will end up recovering fully from their ACL. So just really important to get appropriate rehab after the fact to prevent uh, further damage to the knee or even injuring other parts of the body if the knee isn't stable. Absolutely. We're talking with uh, Dr. John Russell of the Detroit Medical Center in the sports uh, medicine physician team. And, uh, you know, surgery is always, you know, a scary word, especially when it comes to, you know, athletes and, and their parents. And, um, but there have been so many improvements, so many enhancements uh, in sports medicine. Uh, it's not always the first choice for injuries. And, and maybe you can just kind of, you know, ease the pain on some that uh, there are a lot of ways that you can treat football injuries non-operatively. Absolutely. Over 90% of orthopedic injuries, injuries, sports medicine issues are treated non-operatively. Um, there's really rarely a situation where we're going to recommend surgery right off the bat. Um, so that, that is absolutely the biggest concern from patients and from their, from their, um, from their families. When they have an injury, of course, we go to, we kind of think the worst, but if we get the right diagnosis, get you in the right treatment plan, there's a lot of different things we can do with home exercise programs, formal physical therapy, sometimes um, injections with steroids, sometimes without steroid and just some like dry needling, acupuncture, cupping. Um, I do a lot of osteopathic manipulation, which is a hands-on approach to, to correcting structural alignment. And when we can get everything in the right alignment, a lot of times it, you'll function a lot better. You can heal quicker, increase blood flow. So absolutely, um, you know, we want to try to do everything we can non-operatively um, before we consider any type of surgical intervention. Absolutely. Um, concussions are something that uh, we deal with in football, maybe more than most sports. Uh, what should players, coaches, and parents know about concussions and return to play, most importantly? So most importantly, we have to take concussions uh, very seriously. Um, if we ever suspect a concussion, we're going to remove the athlete uh, at that time, and then we're going to be reevaluating. With a concussion, we will look out for a lot of warning signs that could be something more severe than just a concussion like a brain bleed. So we always tell people to keep an eye out uh, to make sure that they're not having a worsening headache, they're not having issues with their balance, really feeling uh, lethargic or, or very fatigued or out of it, not answering questions correctly. Those are reasons that in that immediate setting, you have to get to the emergency department so you can get a, a scan of your brain to make sure you don't have a bleed. But 90% of the time, concussions will fully heal and fully resolve within two weeks. So we really take a stepwise approach as you work back from the concussion, and that includes increasing your activity and also increasing your learning as we can and as those symptoms are under good control. If we can do that and really, um, and really get the, the, the athlete back moving, there's kind of a sweet spot where too much activity, if you're causing worsening your symptoms, that'll make things worse. But also even some of the more recent studies show if we just completely do absolutely nothing, that's not better either. So there is a sweet spot where 
you track your symptoms and you make sure whatever you're doing isn't making the symptoms worse but you want to actually get a little bit moving as long as it's not causing a worsening of your headache and other symptoms. We want to get you moving to increase that blood flow and increase the blood flow to the brain to, to allow you to heal even quicker. It's good advice. You know, it, this is very open-ended, uh, but, you know, let the grind of the football season now. We're about to uh, finish a regular season, get into the postseason. So uh, that run for uh, a lot of teams, it will be four weeks as they get an opportunity to compete for a state championships. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that athletes would like to be able to know what they can do to help reduce their chance of an injury. Absolutely. So at this point of the season, it's very important to stay well hydrated, making sure we're getting the proper nutrition that we need. Um, we're really putting a lot of demand on our, on our bodies at this point in the season. So just like anything right any even a motor if you need to put the the right fuel and the right gas inside of it in order to get it to run efficiently the same is true with our bodies even more true with our bodies a dynamic stretching is also very important just listening to your body and not um you know not pushing yourself beyond the point where you feel like you're injuring yourself um you know we're gonna have bruises and and, and bumps and bruises at this point in the season um, but really just try to listen to your body. If you feel like something is uh, more serious, it's better to get it evaluated, determine is this something we can continue to play through or is it something that we need to uh, do some other treatments? And then also just making sure we're wearing the proper fitting pads and equipment. That's the biggest thing at this point in the season. We're talking with DMC Sports Medicine Physician, Dr. John Marasso, and uh, thank you for your time today, sir. One more question for you, uh, and this really is regarding when an injury can be treated at home or, you know, maybe more, even more importantly, the signs that, you know, you need to go see a sports medicine specialist. The biggest things that I'm assessing on the sidelines and uh, determining if this is something that someone could continue to play through are strength range of motion so if you have full strength and full range of motion this is typically something that we can continue to to play through anytime there's a lack of that um, it's better to get it assessed to determine is this something that we need to do something more get some additional imaging or is this something that we can uh, continue to ice um, kind of protect the area and allow you to to keep playing so strength, range of motion, bruising, our issues with balance, those are all reasons that, um, that I think you should get checked out by a sports medicine physician. Fantastic. All right, I want to thank Dr. John Russell for his time today. Hey, if you have a sports injury keeping you sidelined, call the orthopedic and sports medicine team at the Detroit Medical Center. You can do that by calling 1-888-300-DOCS. That's 1-888-300-3627. All right, well, we thank Dr. John Marasso for joining us from the DMC. And now it's time to wrap the podcast, and we do it every week by taking a look at our weekly rankings, which are rapidly now uh, coming to a close. You've got what next week will be your uh, final situation uh, and the final uh, mm -hmm. layout of uh, how the teams finish this year. Of course, I'm talking about the digital managing editor at statechampsnetwork.com, Matt Mowry. Uh, good to talk to you uh, once again, my friend. And uh, we were talking a little bit off air about playoffs and things of that nature. And I did mention the KLA, and it seems that's kind of the theme uh, of what was uh, uh, your rankings uh, this week, at least in ter terms of uh, some shakeups, some disruptions, and some teams uh, making a play. 
Yeah, and it, a couple weeks ago we talked about kind of the, the de facto title games when Heartland played Howell, and we had, I believe, Belleville. That was the belleville Fortson week. It was kind of like these were the, the showdown games. Really what shook out last week in the KLA was with, that we had a couple of the contenders in the East that were tied essentially for the East lead lose to crosstown rivals that maybe we didn't expect. We had Fordson get knocked off by by Dearborn, which knocked them down a peg or two. And we had Churchill um, losing to uh, to Stevenson, 13-6. Both of them were real close games, 13-10, yeah. 13-6. Not high-scoring games, probably a little bit of product of the you know rainy weather that we had. But those were two that es- essentially settled the, the East race and, and wrapped it all up for Belleville. So now Belleville goes into the um, KLA Association title game yet again, as, as they have over the last four or five years since they've been in the league. And they'll be yeah. facing the Heartland team that I, I had to get them in. I've been talking the last couple of weeks, especially yeah. when they, they beat Howell. They probably deserve to be in. We didn't really have a spot for them. So I, I, I pulled a Bernstein, and I created extra spots in my rankings. So our right. top 25 now is about a top 27. Um, right. But we had to get them in just because, yeah. you know, A, I wanted to get them in because they deserved it for winning a very, very tough conference. They beat Canton 21 nothing, blank Canton for the first time in – Eons, you know, Canton usually figures out a way to get some points on the board. Um, That's a Heartland defense that's got, I believe, four shutouts on the season now. Um, You know, and they they navigated their way through their one lone loss. It was in a low-scoring game against rival Brighton just down 23 from them. You know, so we we popped them in at 25, and they'll get the the – honor so to speak of going to belleville for the championship uh association championship game this week um still some some real good matchups in the uh kla yet this week when you get the crossovers because now you've got you know first place plays first place second place plays second place you've got fordson playing a very good howell team you know you've got churchill playing novi that had a very good season in the first season under uh, our old friend jim sparks uh formerly at clausen yeah. uh, so it should be another interesting week in the klaa but yes it was it was not necessarily how we expected the week to play out we kind of thought maybe we would go into the final week of the season having to use tiebreakers to figure out who was going to be in those title game contests and it kind of took care of itself. Yeah. And when we're really looking now at, you know, the cream of the crop. So again, I invite you to go to statechampsnetwork.com, click on rankings and check out our uh, our top 25 rankings. He's got every week there too. So you can kind of see the progression and, and how it's been. And he's got a ton of honorable mentions in every division about those who are on the bubble and those who could make some noise uh, come playoff time. But, you know, when, when we're talking about, you know, the beasts of Michigan high school football right now. Uh, you know, our number one team, Detroit King, uh, certainly has played like it all season long. Uh, they're bringing in a Cincinnati powerhouse to kind of end the regular season, which is, is you know, which is great for them as they get ready to head into a very tough Division Three uh, playoff stretch. But, you know, the co- in comeback fashion, grand comeback fashion, they take care of Cast Tech um, to, to win the PSL. Yeah, and it's 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 one of those decisions that I've kind of had to to mess with with Cast Tech a little bit this season. Normally, you do not have you know a five and three team hanging around in the top twenty five because in a normal year that team just hasn't proven that they belong among the elite. But really, when you look at it, I mean, we had this Cast Tech team at number one 
week three, I think, after yeah. they beat Muskegon, just because of the way they beat Muskegon, and they, you know, they were kind of, they were two and zero at that time, and yes, they went into a, a you know, uh, their first meeting with King and came out of that, you know, two and one, but still had shown pretty well that they were still, you know, what kind of what we thought they were. It's it's been one of those you know situations with Castec all season long because of obviously what we talked about you know, with the, with the COVID issues that they had. And then a couple of weeks with forfeit wins where they really didn't get to, you know, play and, and boost off up their playoff points at all. Um, really are, are they one of the top 25 teams? And if you go back to zero, zero, and you look at this cast tech roster, are they one of the best 25 teams in the state? Yes. Now, does their record say that they probably belong near the bottom of the top 25? Yes. So both of those things can be true, but you know, it's, it's one of those where it's kind of one of those caveat situations where you really, I mean, yeah, you could justify, I could have fully justified dropping them out of the top 25 this week just based on the record. But really, I mean, that would, you know, in my mind, that would have been a little intellectually dishonest just because I know how good they are. I've seen how good they are. We know the talent they have on that squad. This is not a case of them, you know, doing anything or loafing or, you know, having locker room problems or any kind of those things that can derail very talented teams. This is just a circumstance thing. Now, you know, did they have opportunities to beat King twice? Sure. And those are both close games, but they were both close games against what's the number one team in our state right now. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. I think everybody kind of knows the backstory with them. Now, the, the the key story with them this week, obviously, we were talking about this a little off air before we got on, is they have to beat Orchard Lake St. Mary's to get into the playoffs, and, and that will be the ultimate determinant. I, probably next week, I think, if they don't make it, I probably will drop them out for the final top 25. But the playoff system, as flawed as it is, is kind of showing us what we – what it was designed mathematically to show, and that's that that Castec has not beaten enough teams with winning records and big population student populations on its on its its roster. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how close the math. Say they beat an Orchard Lake St. Mary's team that that is pretty comfortably in the Division Three playoffs. Uh, they're they're middle of the pack, I believe. It would be interesting to see if you know Castec comes out with a win on Thursday. How exactly mathematically that that shows up for them? I think that may be enough to get them in, but I'm not positive of that. I really crunched the numbers on that, but uh, it'll it'll certainly be an interesting uh, thing to watch. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it, and I think it has. If I'm uh, trying to uh, pull the uh, pull the map up here, as I it, it, it's been. A long time since Castec has yes. not made the playoffs. Uh, you know, there was a long stretch where they didn't, you know, when you're talking about the 80s and, and, and the 90s, yeah. where if they did make the playoffs, it was it was very, uh, very limited. Um, but now they're in a situation where uh, very realistically, they may not make the playoffs uh, for the first 2007. time. Yep. Oh, you've got it already. Okay, well, yep, 2007 was the last time okay. they did not. And they were a five and four right. hoping to get in that year, but did not. Yeah. Um, they probably had 15 division one players on that team. They just didn't get into right. the playoffs and they quickly exactly. turned it around afterwards. So uh, yeah, it's a very, very interesting thing. I, I think, you know, that the top five uh, that you have with King, Grand Rapids, Catholic Central, Rockford, De La Salle, Belleville uh, is a very strong top five. Uh, and, um, you know, we're going to see De La Salle uh, at the prep bowl on Saturday. They've already mm -hmm. taken care of UD Jesuit one, so they're 
I'm most likely going to do that again. Um, but uh, I believe they've played UD of Je Jesuit before. Yes. I think, yep. Yes. Yes. See you. We played them. So, yeah. Two weeks yeah. ago. Yep. That's right. So, yeah. Just a couple weeks ago. So, um, yeah. So uh, they look as strong as ever, uh, especially when you're looking at, at the Catholic League. Uh, this is a team that uh, certainly in Division Two has got to go in the favorite. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it, I would think so. Yeah. And, and D2 will be interesting because we had Traverse City Central who made a deep run last year. And we know how the talent that 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 TC Central team has got. Yeah. Um, the, the two TC teams are going to be playing at Traverse City West plays uh, Detroit Catholic Central this week. Um, right. Up at up at Thurlby. So it'll be interesting to see because Traverse City Central uh put a hurting on bro brother rice a very good it's a very good brother rice team that's been a little up and down this year um mm -hmm. they they certainly have offensive weapons and uh trevor city central with, with a 56 to 13 win over brother rice uh that's a that's a team that's good that to be reckoned with in the d2 playoffs d2 is going to be very very interesting um because i think i think de la salle certainly goes in as a favorite and and trevor city central has got to be one of those other teams that you look at that that could be right there with them yeah and what's interesting about your top 25 too is so many teams uh it's just littered with teams that are eight and oh seven and one six and two uh we're seeing you know uh career seasons out of some of these schools uh in terms of yeah. win totals and it makes it really interesting um you know how it's all going to shake out in, in your final 25 but obviously you know trying to predict how well they're going to do in the playoffs yeah, and I think some of that all depends on how the brackets end up shaking out and as far as who, you know, gets matched up where, um, you know, if you end up having uh, two top 10 teams in the same, you know, quarter, essentially, that certainly limits one of them on, on how far they're going to be able to go. So, you know, geography sometimes just plays a role in some of that stuff. But yeah, yeah. we've got some contenders here and, and, and teams that, of course, as soon as we say that, there's always somebody who's in, you know, not even on our radar who makes a run uh, through the playoffs and just absolutely yep, upsets the entire apple cart. But, yeah, yep. you look at some of the teams that are battle-tested, too. Grand Blanc has run through a gauntlet oh, when you talk about, you know, the SVL Red playing, you know, the Lapeers and Davisons and, you know, playing some of the best teams in, in, in the SVLs. Northern Division, and then some of the non-conference wins that they have even early in the season with a win over East Lansing and a win over uh, Grand Rapids Forest Hill Central, who's in the rankings. You know, that's a battle-tested team. Celine had to hold on to beat, to hold off Dexter 42-40. Uh, that's a Dexter team that bumped up to the uh, SEC Red this year and has all kinds of uh, playmakers on that squad. That's a Celine team that has you know, kind of gone through the gauntlet because they opened the season with kind of a, a last-second win over a Hudsonville team that's now kind of, you know, right on the cusp of the playoffs and has had some heartbreaking losses. You know, these are some teams, especially I think we saw people kind of preparing for the way that this playoff system was going to be and kind of beefing up the non-conference schedule because I felt like we had a lot of really good matchups at the beginning of the season, intersectionally speaking, and then we had – you know, now that now that the uh, conferences are kind of wrapped up for a lot of people, we've had some more sneaking in right at the, here at the end. You know, like we talked about with the the Catholic League teams going up and playing the 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 Traverse City teams. Those are good for football, just because we kind of get yeah, we may get more six and two teams in our rankings in week eight, but those are teams that have played and gone through the gauntlets of a very talented, you know, very you know 
power schedules, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And and we know what's going to happen is we're going to have some undefeated teams that probably lose right at the start of the playoffs. And we're going to see some four. We see a lot, you know, there's going to be a lot of like four, you know, five and four teams that are going to be in the playoffs this year because of the uh, the point structure and all of that that are battle tested and are going to are going to be making runs. So um, it's it's really interesting when you see a lot of the eight no's and seven ones right now and a lot of the five and threes and four and fours. And if you go to like snooze to you, for instance, who does a lot yeah. of the bracketology and tries to spell that out, you know, uh, it's it's littered with with a lot of that with teams at the high end in terms of wins, and all that and teams at, at the low end. Uh, getting into the postseason. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if we, you know, get a couple sub-500 teams even that sneak in just because of their strength of schedule. I mean, I mentioned a Hudsonville team that right now is 4-4. and they got to play Caledonia uh, 7-1 and to try to get in. Uh, They're one spot out of the playoffs in D1, Hudsonville is. You know, they lost by uh, four on the last play to Celine. Lost to Orchard Lake St. Mary's by two, Rockford by five, Granville by eight. All of those yeah. are playoff teams right now. Yeah. So you know if that Hudsonville team gets in at five and four, even if they get in at four and five, somehow if the, the point structure works out in their way, yeah. that's a dangerous team that you know can beat some people. Oh, yeah. no, Yeah, no question about it. And uh, it's going to be really interesting. And obviously in the first round of the playoffs, you get a lot of uh, uh, matchups in, in uh, you know, familiar teams playing each other and, and you know, sometimes – uh, knocking uh, each other out sometimes, um, you know, not based on predictions, just based on a, a good rival. We had rivalries this week. You saw it in the KLA with just yeah. rivalries, whether it's Dearborn over Fortson or it's, uh, you know, um, you know, whomever. It's uh, it's it's these these rivalry games, or it's Lavonia Stevenson uh, getting a win over Lavonia Churchill. So. All right, Matt. So next week we'll we'll wrap up uh, the rankings for this season. It'll be very exciting, and then uh, of course we'll have you back through uh, through some of our playoff run to discuss uh, what's happening and some of the exciting things that are going on uh, in high school football playoffs. Hard to believe we're here, but we're here, yeah. and uh, we're ready to get after it. So, yeah, hard to believe since it's still seventy degrees out, but we'll take it for another couple of weeks. Uh, the whole off the snow, Please. exactly. Please, absolutely. So, all right, guys. Well, once again, that is the State Champs Michigan's Extra Point Podcast. We thank Matt Mowry for coming on and talking rankings once again. Of course, our thanks uh, to Dr. John Morasso from the DMC who joined us earlier. And, uh, again, check out the talk show uh, with uh, Scott Bernstein and some of his thoughts. He's talking about junior quarterbacks this week, so he's got a lot to talk about, a lot of shout-outs going on the program. Of course, we recap week eight and uh, take a preview of week nine. So uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Once again, thanks for listening.